You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Okay, everyone. Well, let's pray and let's get into the Word tonight. Y'all ready? Yes. Yes. All right. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us in Jesus and what he has bought and paid for that belongs to us. And Father, we thank you tonight that as we look to the word of God to study, to believe you, Father, I believe revelation is going to come. I believe the Holy Spirit will bring light and illumination to our hearts, Father, so that we can receive from you. We can know more about you. Father, we are hungry to know not just, like the scripture says, what you have done, but Father, we want to know you and your ways and how you think and move and operate. And Father, we thank you for revealing that to us. And Lord, I just believe tonight as we Uh, get into the word. We spend time in the word. None of us are going to be the same by the time we get through. We're going to leave and be better and stronger and have more peace and joy. And we thank you for it. And we believe you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Turn over with me to Matthew chapter 16. That's where we're kind of launching from. This is uh, taking the place of our foundation scripture in Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to read the first three verses. And uh, this is week number three in this series. And in again, for I think I've covered this every week, but um, the Lord just laid on my heart to uh, talk about understanding the times and seasons of the Lord. One of the things that the Lord said to uh, down in my spirit uh, a few weeks ago was, is that God's people have a hard time understanding when God is moving, how God is moving. Um, And so understanding the times and the seasons of what God is endeavoring to do in the earth. And he's wanting us to have that revelation knowledge. Now, of course, there are some things that he won't reveal to us. You know, the Bible says that no man uh, knows the day or the hour that the rapture of the church is going to take place. So God keeps that to himself. However, the things leading up to it and preparations for it, he will reveal those to us and let us know so that we can be ready and we can be prepared. And so in Matthew chapter 16, this is a conversation that Jesus was having with uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And in verse one, it says, then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven He answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening hypocrites. And this is the point of what we're talking about. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. You know, what's interesting to me is that if anybody should have known what was going on in the earth and be able to recognize that it should have been the religious leaders of the day because they were familiar with the word. They knew what the the old covenant said. They knew what to be looking for, for the Messiah to show up. 
But yet, in spite of all of that, they couldn't discern the signs of the times, uh, as Jesus said. And so the main point of this series is this, is that the Lord wants us to be a spirit, to be spiritually attuned to what he is doing in the earth, both in our lives personally, and then in a broad sense, as far as the body of Christ is concerned and, um, you know, in the world and earth as a whole. Go over with me to Ephesians chapter five, please. And let's look at another scripture we've looked at. Uh, Ephesians chapter five. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 through 17. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Paul said this. He said, look carefully then how you walk, live purposefully and worthily and accurately not as the unwise and the witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the most, uh, the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evils. Verse 17, therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Now, if there's anything Christians ought to be aware of, it ought to be at minimum, what the will of God is for our own lives. And then going from there, you know, what is the will of God for our households? What is the will of God for our families? What is the will of God for our church and so forth and so on. So we need to firmly grasp and know what the will of the Lord is. And, and again, what he's endeavoring to do. Go over with me to Colossians chapter one, please. Colossians chapter 1, and again, I'm going to read these scriptures from the Amplified Bible. Now, the good news is, and, and this is pretty much the punchline of this whole series, and that is this, it is possible for you and me to know what the will of God is for our lives. And so I really want us to get that down in our spirits, because if there's you know, as I mentioned to you before, if there's anything that I've noticed in the body of Christ that people, Christian people struggle with, it is not knowing what the will of God is for their own lives. And so God is not hiding that from you. He's, he's not hiding it to keep it a secret. He, he is hiding it for you so he can reveal it to you. Colossians chapter one, verses nine and 10, again, in the Amplified Bible, says this, for this, this reason we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep and clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things, that you may walk and live and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper and clearer insight, acquaintance and recognition. So again, Paul prayed and he said that, that he prayed for us or for the people at the church of Colossae, but we can also pray for this for ourselves, that we are filled with the full, deep and clear 
knowledge of God's will, in all spiritual wisdom and comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. So God is telling us he wants us to fully understand what his will is for our lives clearly and specifically. Now, again, I, I want to mention, I made a caveat to this last week, and that is this. You may not know, like for instance, I may not know everything that's going to transpire between now and the time either I go home to be with the Lord or Jesus comes back. However, uh, I will have a general sense of what the will of God is, and I will know enough that I can take steps of faith to head in the direction that God wants us to go in or wants me to go in. And the reason that he does that is because if he was just to show you the whole thing from A to Z, no faith would be required for that. And God is a faith God. He believes, and, and, and the scripture says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And he's never going to put you in a position where you don't have to use your faith. And so he'll show you enough to get you to uh, from point A to point B, but you may not know from point A to point Z. And so, again, just know the Bible says in the, in the book of Psalms, it says the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. Notice it didn't say leaps and bounds. It said steps. And so God orders our lives step by step by step, and it's as we take these steps by faith that we're able to walk out the will of God. Now, I want to say this to you, and I meant to mention this in, in last week. Um, the, uh, some of the content or, or a good portion of the content from last week's message and this week and some of the parts coming up come from a book called The Hidden Man by a man by the name of E.W. Kenyon, who was a, a great minister at the early part of the 20th century. He went home to be with the Lord, I believe, in 1944 or 45, somewhere along in there. But uh, just a great man. He, he saw a lot of insights into the Word of God that we teach and preach today, even back then when nobody was talking about it. And so a lot of the things that we're going to cover came out of that book. I highly recommend any of his writings. So let me reemphasize some points that we made last week, and that is this. Man is the only being in God's creation that's designed to live out of two realms, the spirit realm and the natural realm. So we have been created and designed by the Father to be able to live out of the spirit realm and live in the natural realm. Now, you know, it brings to remembrance what uh, what the scripture says, that we're in this world, we're in the natural world, but we're not of this natural world. Now, that doesn't mean we're weird and spooky and all of that, but it just means that uh, what God wants us to do is to navigate through this natural realm by, by getting our direction and insight from the spiritual realm. Okay, living out of that spiritual realm. And so we began to lay some groundwork and heading in that direction. And so uh, the first thing we said is, and you need to make sure that you understand this, and that is man is an eternal spirit being. You're, you're not a body. You're not a mind. You are a spirit being. We were created in the image of God. 
Jesus said, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's John 4 and verse 24. And then, of course, you know, in Genesis 1, 26, the Lord said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So if God is a spirit, then we were created spirit beings as well. Now, what gives us the right to live and to function in this earth is this body that we live in. You know, if this body ceases to function, uh, you know, the body gets uh, buried or put in the ground or whatever uh, takes place, but the spirit and the soul go to, to heaven to live with the Lord. And so if you lose this body, you lose the right to be able to stay here in the earth. Now, I know what some people have said, and that is that, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, you were in the room one night and Uncle Frank came and visited you. Well, I'm sorry, that wasn't Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank is either in one of two places. If he has died, he's either in heaven with the Lord or he is in hell separated from the Lord. But uh, spirits, meaning uh, the spirits of people, do not stay here in the earth once they leave the body. Okay, they go to one of those eternal destinations, and all that is decided on whether you're born again or not. What you, the decisions that you make, are are primarily the the big decision that you make while you're in this body. Now, the other thing is this: once you leave this body, you lose the right to make that decision. Okay, so it's important that that people make that decision uh, before they're separated from their body. Now. We, uh, we said this, that man had to be an, a spirit being, an eternal being in the same class as God so that we could relate to him and receive his nature. So God wanted a family. He wanted to create a family. That was the whole purpose of creation. And so what he, he did is he created somebody that was in the same class that he is so that we could fellowship with him. You know, body can't fellowship with spirit, and spirit can't fellowship with flesh. Only spirit and spirit can fellowship together. And so that is why God created us in the same class of being that he is. The next thing that we said is talking about our physical senses. Your physical senses were given to you to allow you to navigate and contact this natural world. The, the physical senses, uh, sight, hearing, uh, touch, taste, and smell, all were given to you so that you could navigate through this natural world and be able to use the information that you gather through those five physical senses. Your, your mental and reasoning faculties were given to you to be able to process that information that your five physical senses gather. Now, let me say this to you. Your five physical senses are great, and they're definitely a gift from God. However, when those five physical senses, one or more of them, uh, are contrary to what the Word of God says, then you have to not choose to follow what the, the senses tell you, but go with what the Word says. Meaning, you know, if you're dealing with sickness and disease in your body, 
The scripture teaches that Jesus took our sickness and disease and by his stripes we are healed. And so you choose to believe what the word of God says over what your five physical senses may tell you. Now, your five physical senses may tell you that, uh, you know, you, your, your body is still sick. You're still have, you still have a fever. You're still dealing with sickness and disease. But the truth of God's word has the ability to override and change those natural circumstances which your senses are telling you about. So we're not in denial. We don't deny that those things exist. We just choose to put our attention on the word of God and believe that the word is, is the word of God and is able to change those particular circumstances. Now, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 14 through 16, we looked at this and it says, verse 14, Paul wrote and he said, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, that is a huge statement right there. So you can kind of piece together, begin to piece together where we're going with this. And so let's build some or connect the dots rather. So if God is a spirit and we're endeavoring to follow him, and follow his will, plan, and purpose for our lives. So what this scripture says is the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You are not going to be able to discern and understand spiritual things through your five physical senses, through your flesh man, all right? And so the reason being is because those things are spiritually discerned. So revelation, direction, insight, spiritual information that the Holy Spirit desires to bring into your life are only going to come to you from one place, and that is out of your spirit, not out of your uh, mind, not out of your natural outside circumstances, the, the natural world in which we live. Those things are spiritual. And so they are going to be spiritually discerned. And what Paul is saying is that's why lost people who don't know the Lord cannot discern these things. And they just sound weird and foolish to them. Whereas those of us who are born again and have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, we are able to discern those things because, again, we have the discerner on the inside of us to bring that revelation to us. But it's going to be spiritually discerned. I, I um, had a man say this to me, and he meant well. This was many, many years ago. Uh, I was in a situation where I was trying to determine what the will of God was for my life in a, in a decision that I was needing to make. And he said this to me, and he said, well, I'll tell you how you can find out what the will of God is. If, if there is more than one door of opportunity there before you, then just try each of the doors, and whichever one opens up, that's the one that God has for you. So let's say, let's, you know, let's just bring it down to, um, you know, a hypothetical. Um, let's say I needed to make a decision where a job was concerned. Okay. So what, according to this man's philosophy, 
is the way I'm going to determine what God's will is and which direction he wants me to go as far as a job is concerned is I just head in one of the directions of the job. And if it opens up, then that's the job that God wants me to have. Well, let me let you in on a little insight. Okay. The devil can open doors like that for you too. All right. So you can't go by natural circumstances. What, and here's the other thing. What are you going to do if three out of four opportunities that are presented to you open up and want you to be involved? Then what do you do? Okay. So again, you're back to square one. So what you're going to have to do, if you're wanting to know what God's will is in a situation like that, and we should, then you're going to have to discern that spiritually because God is not going to reveal that to you through natural circumstances. He is going to reveal that to you in your spirit by the Holy Spirit. So point being is don't look outside for spiritual information. Look inward in your spirit where the spirit of God lives and dwells for spiritual revelation and insight. Now, here's what God can do is he might choose to confirm something outwardly, you know, through another person or something like that, but it will always confirm something that you already have in your heart. Okay. So, uh, I just wanted to, to say that now here's the, the next thing we said that the Holy spirit was given to us to guide us into all truth or reality. Go over with me. Let's look at this scripture again. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Man, you know, when I think about this, God has, uh, you know, and of course for his great love and mercy, but, you know, he's really given us everything we need to win in life if we will just listen to him and follow his direction. And, and you know, that, that's absolutely awesome to me. John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus speaking uh, to the disciples, he was talking about the Holy Spirit, and he said this, however, when he, the spirit of truth is come, and he came, he came on the day of Pentecost, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So we have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us and whatever he hears God the Father speak, he's going to speak and reveal that to you. And the, uh, the Bible also says, Jesus also said, he'll show you things to come. You know, there are some things that God will reveal to you ahead of time so that you can be prepared and ready to handle that situation and to be able to, to navigate your way through it. But God finds it a very difficult thing to lead our reasoning faculties. God doesn't lead you in your mind, okay, but it is natural for him to lead you in your spirit. So again, if you're needing direction and insight from the Lord, you're going to have to look to your spirit. And we'll get into this more and more as we build this. Okay, number five, we said this, living by faith 
is a spiritual thing because faith is of the spirit. Faith is a spiritual force, if you will. Faith is of your heart. It's not a natural mental thing. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, just make a note of it. Paul wrote, and he said, for with the heart, man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And you can take that word righteousness and you can put whatever it is that you might be believing, be believing God for. Let's say it this way, for with the heart, one believes unto healing and with the mouth, confession is made unto healing. Um, for, for with the heart, one believes unto provision, and with the mouth, confession is made unto provision. Whatever it is, the same principle applies, and that is faith is in your spirit. Now, the Bible says that God, in Romans 12, 3, it says God has given to every one of us who are believers the measure of faith. Now, if God is a spirit being, which we've already established that he is, and he's a faith God, so if he's going to deposit a piece of his faith down on the inside of you, he's not going to put that in your head. It's going to be down here in your heart, in your spirit, where you need it to be. Okay, so faith is a spiritual thing. Here's number six. Walking in the love of God is a spiritual thing because the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 says that. So why, why did I say that? Why did I feel like it necessary to make that point? Because a lot of times we, and we mean well, but we Christians, we know the scripture tells us that it's a commandment. Love is the commandment in the New Testament that we are to love people as God loves us. And so a lot of times we try and do that out of our own natural strength and ability. Whereas the love of God, which we're supposed to rely on, is not in your natural ability. It's in your spirit. And so instead of, you know, when you're having to deal with that person who gets on your nerves, instead of looking to the natural for the resources to be able to love that person, Look within, look in the spirit, look where the Holy Spirit is and, and allow him to activate his love on the inside of you to work it up out of you instead of you trying to do it in your own strength. You know, the, the thing that you always need to remember is that God never gives a commandment that he does not give you the ability to obey that commandment. So if God gives you instructions to walk in love, to live by faith, whatever the case might be, he also gives you the supernatural spiritual ability to be able to fulfill those things and to obey that. Okay. So always remember that. Now, here's number seven. When man fell, when Adam fell, he became a partaker of of Satan's nature in his spirit. His spirit man died, okay? So it's, it's clearly, it's very important that we understand. So Adam was, was created perfect. He was created in the perfect image of God. He was alive unto God. Did you know that Adam never would have died had he not sinned? He, he would live forever. He was intended to live forever because he was he is and was a spiritual being. And uh, 
So he just happened to live in a flesh body. However, when he fell, the nature of the devil came on the inside of him. And for the first time in his existence, he experienced separation from God. His spirit died and death was now in control. Sin and death and fear and everything that comes with it was, was now in control in his spirit. Go over with me to Romans chapter 5, please. Romans chapter 5. And look at verse 12. So what does that mean? If man's spirit was dead and cut off from God, then the only thing man had to rely on as far as being able to uh, navigate through life is his five physical senses because he no longer had access to the Spirit of God. He no longer had access to the wisdom of God. And so lost man, and this is true even today, the only thing that lost people can rely on to navigate through life is their five physical senses, what their circumstances are telling them and the information that their five physical senses are providing for them. So Romans chapter five, verse 12 says this, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So because of Adam's sin, spiritual death was now the predominant spiritual force in the earth. And so everybody born after Adam and his sin was now condemned to die and be dead spiritually, to be separated from God. Now, somebody said, well, you know, what about the Old Testament saints that walked with God? Yes, they walked with God. They fellowshiped with God to a certain degree. However, they were not born again. God had to relate to them on a level, uh, basically leading them and speaking to them and ministering to them through their five physical senses. Okay, so if you think about all the Old Testament saints and all the experiences that they had with God, what is the common thread? Well, if God wanted to manifest himself to them, he had to, you know, like Moses with the burning bush, he had to speak to him out of a burning bush, a natural circumstance. He had to manifest a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to the children of Israel. He had to show his glory and to reveal himself in a natural way so the people could see and understand that he was God. And all of this was because Man was in a fallen, dead, spiritual state. Now, you're there in Romans 5. Go down to verse 19, please. So again, verse 12, Therefore, just as uh, through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin, verse 19 says this, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, and he's talking about Jesus, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin 
reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what Paul is telling us is, because of Adam's disobedience, death and, and spiritual death entered into the world. But because of Jesus' obedience and his death, burial, and resurrection, now God's life, spiritual life, has entered into the world through and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you and I have the privilege of being born again and being able to function. Now listen to me carefully. You, you and I have the privilege to be able to function on the same level that Adam lived and functioned. Okay, you, now the only difference is you're living in a body that unfortunately has not been redeemed yet, but it will be. When the fullness of the redemption takes place, um, you're fully and complete. We will be like Adam was, but spiritually, you are in the same condition that Adam was in the garden. So what had to happen? So with man lost and spiritually dead and having to navigate through life by his five physical senses, so what was God going to do to get himself into the world so that he could reveal to people who he was? Well, here's number eight. Jesus had to break into this sense-knowledge realm to introduce the Father to sense-knowledge man. So let me say that again. Jesus had to break into this sense-knowledge realm to introduce the Father to the sense-knowledge man. So it was, it was not going to work for Jesus to just show up like Casper the Friendly Ghost, okay? Jesus had to put on himself a flesh body and be manifest in a natural state so that people could see, feel, hear, touch, taste, and smell him and experience him as he revealed the nature and the character of God, okay? Now, so we understand that Jesus accomplished that and revealed God to us. Now, the next thing I want you to see is this, and we've covered this many, many times in Bible study, but number nine is this. You are a spirit being, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are a spirit being, you possess a soul made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a physical body. So you are a three-part being. You're not a trinity. You're a triune being made in the image of God, okay? So man is a spirit. He has a soul. The soul is composed of all your reasoning faculties. You live in a physical body which possesses the five physical senses. Now, the, you know, we talked about the difference between your brain and your mind last week. So again, the physical organ of your brain is what processes the information that is gathered by your five physical senses. You know, as I was studying this last week and, and uh, we didn't make it this far, but, you know, I'm sure you're all familiar with the story of Helen Keller. 
and how she was born and uh, lived in the earth and, you know, until well into her adulthood without all of her five physical senses except for touch and smell. She couldn't see, she couldn't hear, she couldn't speak uh, with her mouth and so forth. And, uh, but yet she was still able to navigate this natural world with just two of those five physical senses. So what I, what I want you to see is how powerful the brain is, but yet it is severely limited without those five physical senses. It has to have them in order to be able to function. Okay. Now here's number 10 in the new birth, man's spirit is recreated and what, what was once one with the devil and his nature is now one with God and his nature. Let me say it again. In the new birth, man's spirit is recreated. And what, what was once one with the devil and his nature is now one with God and his nature. So what does that mean? Again, your body enables you to contact this physical world. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions enable you to contact each of those realms, the mental realm, the emotional realm, and so forth. But your spirit is what contacts the spiritual realm where God lives. Okay? Now, here's the point of all of this. Here's number 11. We are designed to live out of our spirits and not out of our minds or our natural bodies. As born-again believers, we are created and designed to live out of our spirits and not our natural bodies and minds. Go over with me to the book of Proverbs, please, and let's look at Proverbs chapter 4. Is this all making sense to you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. In the Old Testament, the word heart is used here, and I'll, I'll define that for you in just a moment. But Proverbs 4, verse 23, in the New King James says this, Keep, and that should be guard, your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The New Living Translation says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So, of course, the Spirit of God by Solomon, when he's talking about your heart, in the Old Testament, he's talking about the core of your being. That's what the heart meant in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, heart can be spiritually interchanged or can be interchanged with the word spirit. So what, what Solomon is telling us here is that out of your spirit, flows the things that determine the course of your life. 
And so it's very important that we guard and we protect that part of ourselves. Okay. Jesus said it this way. He said in Mark chapter four, that your spirit or your heart is like a, a garden or, or is like fertile soil. And you remember he talked about how the word of God is a seed that falls on the heart of men. And if the conditions are right, your heart will produce fruit based on that seed that's fallen into your heart. Well, if your heart, uh, your heart is designed to produce whatever is planted there, just like ground is soil is designed to produce. It doesn't matter if I put corn or beans or watermelon. It doesn't matter what kind of seeds I put in the ground. If the ground is right and the conditions are right, that ground will produce whatever that seed is designed to produce. So it's very important. Jesus made another statement. He said this, talking about words. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. One translation says it this way, that whatever is in your heart in abundance, out of the overflow of that, your mouth speaks. So what does that mean? I can I can promise you, uh, or I can, let me say it this way: I can tell what's in your heart if I'll spend enough time around you and listen to what you say. Amen. Okay. So whatever you've been depositing down in your heart, your heart is designed to produce that. And so if you've been, you know, uh, let me just use myself as an example. Um, friend of mine and I, we were at lunch yesterday and we were talking and we were talking about Westerns and I love Westerns. And, uh, you, you know, uh, since the John Wayne movies, um, you know, Westerns, they're still Westerns, but they've started incorporating, you know, things like uh, bad language and all that type of thing. And so we were talking about, you know, watching Westerns and stuff. And he asked me, he said, now, how do you, how do you deal with all of that? And I said, well, what I have to do is I have to be mindful because I know me, because it's happened to me before, I can tell when I have reached a limit of what I need to allow to be put into my thinking and into my heart. And the reason being is because, um, and you want, I can tell you how to test what's in your heart go outside and get a hammer and hit your hand with that hammer. And I'll be able to tell what's in your heart or let somebody pull in front of you in traffic and you can tell what's deposited in your heart. And so I told him, I said, I have to be mindful of that because, uh, at some inopportune times, you know, I'm not saying I just, you know, break out and cuss people out, but I'm just saying, you know, that if, if I sense that word coming up, at least I'm, you know, disciplined and strong enough to where I don't, I don't let it come out, but I shouldn't be in a position where it's even there to come up to begin with. And so what has happened is, is I've allowed that to get deposited down in my heart. And I know when that begins to happen, nope, I got to draw the line right there and, and not allow that to get deposited into my heart. So again, the heart is something very important and it is something you need to guard and protect because it will determine the course of your life. Think about this. You know, James tells us 
in James, the second chapter, he said that your tongue works like the rudder on a ship or the bridle and reins of a horse. So in other words, if you want to change the course of that boat or that ship, you turn the rudder and it will go where you want it to go. And this is exactly what Proverbs 4.23 is telling you. This thing right here connected to this right here, your mouth connected to your heart, you can determine the course of your life based on whatever direction is coming out of here based on what is in here, okay? So hugely important that we understand this, all right? Now, Brother Kenyon said this, the secret of the divine life is to learn to live in the spirit realm, how to have one's lamp filled with the oil of heaven and to keep one's spirit fit so no disease can break in upon it. Let me repeat that. He said this, the secret of the divine life is to learn to live in the spirit realm, how to have one's lamp filled with the oil of heaven and to keep one's spirit fit so no disease can break in upon it. Let me say it one more time. The secret of the divine life is to learn to live in the spirit realm, how to have one's lamp filled with the oil of heaven and to keep one's spirit fit so disease cannot break in on it. Now, I heard Brother Hagin say something a long time ago, <clears throat> and I am just now beginning to really understand the fullness of it, and that is this. Healing, and I'm talking about physical healing, physical healing is a spiritual thing. Physical healing starts in your spirit before it manifests in your body. Why? Where does healing come from? Well, healing comes from the power of God. Well, where is the power of God? The power of God is a spiritual power and it's present in my spirit. So if I need healing in my physical body, it's going to come out of the power of God that is present in my spirit. Peace is the same way. Prosperity is the same way. It's going to come up out of your spirit. Those things start as spiritual things and then develop into natural things. Okay. Now, <clears throat> knowledge, here's number 13. Knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. Knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. You know, it's possible to have a whole bunch of knowledge and very little wisdom. Okay, so how is knowledge attained? Well, natural knowledge is obtained through those five physical senses that we talked about. Okay, it comes from reflection, observation, contact with people, books, teachers, however that information has gotten revealed to you. But revelation knowledge comes only from the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. So you've got two types of knowledge that is available to you, natural knowledge and revelation knowledge. 
natural knowledge and revelation knowledge. Now, I've heard wisdom defined this way, and, and that is this. Wisdom is the ability to apply that knowledge to your life. Wisdom is the ability to apply that knowledge to your life. So once revelation knowledge comes to you and information is provided to you, let's say God reveals something to you from the word of God and it's great and it's you know you're excited about that revelation well wisdom shows up when the spirit of god reveals to you how to apply that to your life see that revelation knowledge is great but it doesn't do you any good until it is applied to your life so wisdom is the ability to take revelation knowledge and i'm talking about godly wisdom is the, the ability to take that revelation knowledge and apply it to your life. I remember years ago, and I guess it's still there, but uh, <clears throat> down on the uh, Elizabeth, down at the uh, old oldest part of Central Piedmont Community College, the part that used to be the old Central High School here in Charlotte, um, there it etched in the stone above the doors there, above the steps, is this phrase, knowledge is power. And you know what? I was riding through there one day and, and the spirit of God spoke to me. He said, you know, that statement is not true. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, knowledge is not power by itself. Knowledge applied becomes power. And so they left off a couple of words there. But what I want you to see is, is that knowledge, revelation knowledge, that the Spirit of God reveals to you does you no good until it is applied to your life. Now, there are people who, who you know, and I'm talking about Christian people who love God and, and have some revelation insight, but unfortunately, that's as far as it ever went because they never applied or integrated it into their life to where it could change their life. And let me say this to you. Revelation knowledge is only revealed to you by the Spirit of God so that it can positively impact your life. God doesn't, let me say it to you this way. Paul said this, he said, knowledge puffs up. So revelation knowledge that you get without applying it to your life only makes you prideful, you know, because then you start thinking, well, you know, I'm spiritually, I'm a spiritual hot rod, you know, because I know all these truths from the Bible. Well, you haven't applied a one of them to your life, so it's doing you no good. And all it's done is puff up, puff you up in pride. Whereas spiritual knowledge applied to your life is designed to produce life change and to make your life better. Okay. Now, wisdom Go over to the book of James with me for a second. I want to show you something there. Now, there are two types of wisdom. Look at James chapter 3 and verse 13. James 3, 13. By the way, this was written by the half-brother of Jesus, okay? 
the apostle James, verse 13 says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Now, by the way, he's writing this to Christians. Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, wait a minute, you mean envy, bitter, self-seeking, all of those things is wisdom? Yes, it's a natural devilish wisdom. It, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. The old King James says, and every evil work is present. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So there is a wisdom. Proverbs says it this way, and it's, it's mentioned both in chapter 14 and chapter 16 of the book of Proverbs, and it says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but that way ends in death. Okay, I'm going to say that to you again. There is a way that seems right to a man, but that way ends in death. What does that mean? There is going to be, you know, when you're facing situations and decisions in your life, there might be a way that will seem right to you, but the end result is not going to be what you desire for it to be, and you're going to need God's help to determine, is this earthly wisdom or is this heavenly wisdom? Because James said earthly wisdom is devilish and demonic and brings confusion. Wisdom that comes from above has these characteristics. It's full of peace. It's gentle. It's pure and full of mercy and good fruits. Okay. So let me help you. In, and I'll just say this in just a little side thought. If you're trying to determine what the will of God is for your life, the will of God will always produce peace. The wisdom of God will always produce peace. If there is more confusion coming out of the information that you're being presented, then that is not wisdom from heaven. Just little practical things, okay, to help help us along the way. Okay, see, when lost people are left to try and figure stuff out in their sense knowledge, using their five physical senses, that's that's when they come up with all kinds of crazy theories and stuff. All right, like anybody ever heard of Darwin and his theory of evolution? Well, that's because he was sailing. He and they, he was on board a ship. They went to the Galapagos islands and he saw all these creatures that were part of creation in the Galapagos islands. And there were things about these creatures that he couldn't explain. And you can't explain without understanding the creator, but 
So left to his own natural senses, the only thing he could come, the conclusion he could come to was this. Well, they started out as this and then evolved to this over here. So then he took that theory and just, you know, with a very broad brush, applied it to everything, including people. Coming up with the harebrained theory that you and I evolved from creatures that were, you know, part of, uh, you know, apes and that type of thing. And there's nothing farther from the truth. But that shows you what a person left to their own natural senses will come up with without the wisdom of God, without revelation insight, without the help of the Spirit of God. See, all he would have had to have done is, number one, give his heart to Christ, but then go to the Bible and see what the Bible says and, and know that all of those creatures were created by God and uh, were designed exactly the way that uh, God intended for them to be, okay? Now, um, let me make one more point real quick. Number 14, has anybody ever been around somebody um, born again or not born again that it seems like in their life they go from, they have a situation and they, they, they go from crisis to crisis and it all stems around this one particular situation, okay? And it seems like they can never get out of this particular crisis and they, they seemingly are caught like the hamster in the hamster's wheel, all right? In other words, uh, they, they go to try and get help. You know, you hear about it a lot with, with celebrities, you know, celebrities will struggle with some type of addiction or something. And, and, you know, there are, there's some celebrities that have, that have been successful in getting help. But unfortunately you hear too many stories about people that go for rehab and that type of thing. And they go and they go into a program, they come out of that program and they only re relapse and then they go back into rehab. And it's just this cycle that they're in and they're, they're trying to get free from this addiction, but they're caught in this cycle. Well, let me explain to you why that happens. And this will be the last point that I make for tonight. And that is this permanent help for someone must come from a spirit that is fed and educated in the word of God. Permanent help, permanent life change, whatever you want to call it, is going to have to come out of a spirit that is first born again, but then secondly, uh, that is fed and educated and trained in the word of God. So even us, you know, forget Hollywood. I'm not trying to be critical of them, but, but it's true. But, you know, those of us that know we need we need life change. We need things, uh, you know, there are things about me that I know need to be changed. And I know y'all are more perfect than me, but so pray for me. But what I want you to see is if you're looking for life change, that's only going to come from your spirit as a born again believer that is fed 
and, and educated and trained in the word of God. In other words, let me say it to you this way, real plain, permanent help is only going to come out of your spirit, not out of your natural mind or physical circumstances. Because, well, first of all, let's use some use our noggin for a second. Where is Jesus called him the helper? Where is the helper living? He's living in your spirit. So if we're going to draw upon him and learn to depend on him for life change, then that life change is going to have to come by and through the power of the Holy Spirit in our spirits. So what we're going to have to do is quit looking out here for life change. Quit looking up here for life change. Okay. It begins here. It's going to begin as you get the word of God into your heart, into your spirit. And then the renewing of the mind takes place with that. But what I want you to see is you don't start on the outside First, the way life change takes place for the believer is from the inside out. And it's very important that we realize that because that's where the changer of our lives lives and dwells. So again, what we're saying here is, and, and somebody says, well, what, this, what does this have to do with understanding the times and the seasons of the Lord, it has everything to do with it because you're, we have got to train ourselves to live life from the inside out, not the outside in, if that makes sense to you. And I'm talking to born again people, you know, lost people can't, can't go by that, can't live that way because they're lost. They're spiritually dead but you have the Lord on the inside of you. You have the spirit of God on the inside of you. So you have the ability to live life from the inside out, not the outside in. And with that, we'll stop for tonight. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.